0: Well, good morning once again, and please have a seat. So so for those of you who have been watching either on our online services or who have been joining us here in person, we just finished a series called The Unsung Heroes of the Bible, where we spent about six weeks looking at some of those lesser-known characters in the Bible, and maybe some were brand new to you, and maybe some were familiar stories to you. But we spent some time just kind of walking through some of these characters in the Bible and what we could learn from each of their stories and what we could learn from the things that they did. So we we finished that series last week, and then next week we're going to transition into a brand new series on Philippians. But as you can probably see on the screen, and as you probably guessed by now, today we're going to spend some time talking about baptism and why baptism is so important. Now there's a couple of reasons that I wanted to go down that road here this morning, and the first reason for that is I keep hearing more and more that baptism is not important. I keep hearing more and more that baptism isn't necessary. I keep hearing more and more that if you'll just say the sinner's prayer, then everything will be good, and you'll be saved, and you can go about your business, and we know that that is not what the New Testament teaches regarding baptism, and we know the importance of baptism. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to go over this this morning. I also had a couple of requests. Hey, if you get a chance, can you slip in a sermon about baptism? So I think today is the perfect day to do that. Now, baptism is, is such a personal thing. And I know for me, and probably for most of you, I can still remember the day that I was baptized. I was 10 years old. I can tell you where I was I can tell you what I was wearing when I was baptized, because we didn't have these fancy baptism gowns or whatever it is that we have here at the church, and I can tell you everything about that day. I remember my grandfather was the preacher, and I remember when he gave the invitation that day that I was literally sweating and shaking, and... My mom even, even tells me to this day, she knew without a shadow of a doubt that I was ready to be baptized that day. She could see it in my eyes, and the Spirit was definitely working within me. But I remember everything about that day. I remember the words that my grandfather spoke to me. I remember that freezing cold baptistry that I was baptized in. Because see, we have this nice hot tub up here. Where it has nice warm water in it that's circulated. And it's, it's actually pretty pleasant to be in. But but I was in a small church in the middle of a cornfield in central Illinois. And it was just a big metal box. And it was the winter. And I'll tell you right now, that water was freezing cold. And it was dirty. Because we didn't have a circulation system. I remember when I when I opened that door into the baptistry and and some of you who have been to smaller kind of country churches you're you're familiar you'd have the you know you'd have the stage and the and the podium and then behind that you would kind of roll up the chalkboard yeah we had chalkboards back then and the baptistry would be behind it so it was cold and there were dead bugs in it and it was dirty and i'll never forget that day because i remember everything about that day i remember what i was feeling i remember what i was wearing I remember the words that my grandfather spoke to me that day, and everything about that day to this day still gives me chills. I'm literally getting goosebumps just talking about it, because the day that you're baptized is such a crucial day in your life, and it's such an important day in your life. And just to give you some frame of reference, I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but I can remember everything about that day 36 years ago. And I hope that that if you're someone who's already been baptized this morning, that as we go through this material this morning and as we talk about this story this morning, I hope that you'll look back on that day and those feelings that you had that day and that joy that you had when you came up out of the water because you knew that you were on the right path. And I want you to think about that day. And I want you to think about those emotions that maybe you had on the day that you were baptized. And And the thing I want you to think about is do you still have that same fire and that same fervor that you had the day that you were baptized? I can't answer that question for you, but I want you to think through that as we go through our lesson today. Now, as I was thinking about baptism and I was thinking about, you know, there's so many great passages on baptism and there are so many great stories out there of what we wanted to go through. This is what really kept going through my mind. And some of you will recognize where this is from, but if you believe it with all your heart, you may. Now, that comes from a story of Philip and the eunuch, and that's what we're gonna go through this morning. And we're gonna walk through that story kind of step by step, and I'm gonna point out some things that that maybe you already knew or might be brand new for you here this morning, and we're gonna wrap up by talking about those important steps of salvation that we believe in, that we need to sometimes remind ourselves about. So, let's go ahead and dig in. We're gonna be in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now, for some of you, you're familiar with the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a really cool book. It's got a lot of great stories in there because the book of Acts is really when the disciples went out to really start to form the church and to do these amazing things. And it's just a great story of how the Holy Spirit worked through these men to advance the church, the early church. And if you haven't read Acts in a while and you're you're wanting some new material to read or some material that maybe you haven't looked at in a while, take a look at Acts. Because if that book doesn't fire you up to go out and do great things for the kingdom... I don't know what will, but we're going to start in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, and you can kind of see the map here, and this is just to give you a point of reference of the road that they were traveling on, but it says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So here we have Philip, we have kind of our main, our first main character of the story Philip, and he gets visited by a messenger, and this messenger is telling him, hey, I need you to go, I want you to go south and I want you to go to the road. And it says that they're going to go to the desert road. Now, we, we think of desert of sand and cactus and all this kind of good stuff, but you'll find a lot of times in the Bible when they talk about a desert road, they're actually talking more of a deserted road or more of an open area, an area that maybe isn't populated. So, so here we kind of have this framework. That the messenger comes to Philip and says, hey, I got a job for you. I need you to go do it. So let's pick up in verse 27. In verse 27 we read, so he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all of the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now, as we start to to kind of dig into some of these verses and really think about some of the things that we see here in these verses, you, you might be asking yourself, what's a eunuch? I know there was a time in my life where I'm like, what in the heck is a eunuch? And why is it important to this story? But if you look at at kind of our setup here, it says he was an Ethiopian eunuch. And just to, to be, you know, politically correct, it simply means didn't have sexual organs. Now, here's the interesting thing. As I looked into this and as I started to research this, it turns out that because of where he worked, this is probably something that he did knowingly and did willingly to have this position in the queen's palace. Now, because, see, in the queen's palace, they wanted him to be focused on the treasury and not focused on the queen or the maidens or the harem. So, therefore, he's a eunuch. And that way, she doesn't have to worry about where his head is at when he's supposed to be counting the money. Now, the other thing that's important is look at this last line. Now, this is a line we could very easily just skip over and move right on with our story. But it says, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now, you saw a map just a couple of minutes ago of kind of the distance between Jerusalem and Gaza. And remember, we're not hopping in our nice, uh, our nice automobiles, you know, and hitting the gas at 80 miles an hour. But he made this journey to Jerusalem, and he went to worship. So we're starting to get a little bit of a snapshot here of who this man was, who this eunuch was. He was someone that worked in the queen's palace, and he was someone who traveled all the way to Jerusalem to worship so we know that he was a believer and that he was interested and that he was thirsting for more knowledge and more information so let's jump ahead to verses 28 and 29. it says and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of isaiah the prophet the spirit told philip go to that chariot and stay near it now two things here one the guy's sitting here reading the scriptures right he's reading from the book of isaiah now, obviously, they didn't have Bibles the way that we have Bibles, and he didn't pull out his smartphone and open up the Bible app. He, he had some type of a scroll or some kind of a parchment, but he's sitting there studying the words of Isaiah. And I love how we're tying the book of Acts back into the Old Testament because, see, one of the things that, that I've learned since I've been back in school is it's really cool to, to look at these New Testament stories and look at where they came from in the Old Testament and to see how they perfectly connect together. And then we see that the Spirit is guiding Philip all the way through the story. We could do a whole separate lesson on this story based on listening to the Spirit and going where the Spirit leads you and going where the Spirit pointed you. But we see that Philip didn't ask questions. He simply went and did exactly what the Spirit wanted him to do. As we jump ahead to verses 30 and 31, we read, Then Philip ran up to the chariot. I love that. He didn't walk up to the chariot. He ran to the chariot. The Spirit told him to do something, and he didn't just walk. He ran to the chariot. Now, that in and of itself is is something we need to look at. So not only did Philip run to the chariot, but if this man had a chariot in this day and age, then that means he was probably a pretty wealthy person as well. We know that he worked for the queen, but he must have also been wealthy if he owned a chariot. But as we continue our reading, it says, And heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. So clearly he was probably reading aloud. Now, do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? This is a great question even for us today, because how many times do we read something in the Bible and go, yeah, not really sure what that means, so I'm just going to keep moving. Or we don't take the time to ask the right questions. And he says, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So we see this man who just came from Jerusalem because he went to go worship. He's on the road home. He's reading his Bible, even though it wasn't the Bible like you and I think of today. And he's inviting this person to come and study with him. He's got this thirst for knowledge and understanding. He wants to know more. He wants to know the whole story. It says, this is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. It says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. It says, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. It says, who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And that's actually a quote that starts in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. And if you want to, uh, we don't have time to go through that whole story again. But if you want to take a look at that, Isaiah 53, 7, you'll see exactly what this man was reading in his chariot. And it ties so perfectly into what's about to happen. Acts chapter 8, verses 34 and 35, it says, The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? It says, Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. I-, I love this portion of Scripture where it says, Tell me, please. He's begging Philip to share the good news with him. Now, that's another one of those terms we throw around a lot, right? The good news. We talk about the good news. But do we ever stop and think about what the good news really is? The good news that Jesus Christ came to this earth, he walked this earth, he suffered and died for our sins, not because we deserved it, because we certainly didn't deserve it. And at the time that he died, most of the world didn't even believe in him. Matter of fact, some people even thought he was some kind of a a devil or some kind of a, a Satan incarnate because of the things that he was able to do and the powers that he had. But that didn't stop him from going to the cross to die for you and for me and for everyone else who will call upon his name. That's the good news. The good news is that God loved us enough to send his son and that his son loved us enough to carry out God's plan for his life. Again, that wasn't done because we deserve it. We certainly don't deserve that. We prove every day that we don't deserve that. But he loved us enough to do that for us. That's the good news. That's the good news. And that's the good news that we should be wanting to share with everybody that we come into contact with. We've been given this amazing gift. And just like any other gift, we should want to share that with everybody that we can. When we get a new phone, we want to tell everybody. When we get a new car, we post pictures of it online and we tell everybody we see, hey, check out my new car. But do we do the same thing with the best and most important gift we could have ever been given? And that's the good news of Jesus Christ. I hope that we do. I do. I hope that we do. I hope that we want to share that good news with everybody. But if we don't, maybe that's something we need to think about this morning as well. Let's go ahead and move forward with verses 36. It says, As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Now, here's something I want to share with you guys and something that you might find interesting. And you might notice on the screen that it goes from verse 36 to verse 38. Now, that was not a typo. That was not a misprint. Many versions of the Bible leave out Acts chapter 8, verse 37. And when I read this to you, you're going to be like, how in the world is that left out? Because that's such an important piece of the puzzle. So bear with me for just a second. I'm going to pull that up, and I want to read that for you. It says, Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, those words are going to be very familiar to most of you, because for those of you who have been baptized, you probably heard something very similar to that when whomever baptized you took your confession. Do you believe with all your heart? And if you do, you may. But this is just, I'm going to read it again, because this is such an important passage, and I can't believe that that some of the later manuscripts just leave this out. If you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God of God. It says 38 and he gave orders to stop the chariot then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Again, so much good stuff in one little passage of scripture. Philip is actually in the chariot, right? He's traveling with him down this road. He's sharing the good news of Jesus. And something clicked in the eunuch's heart. And he says, "Wait a minute, there's water right there." Why can't I just get baptized? That sense of urgency is why I love this passage so much. The eunuch didn't say, oh, that's great information, Philip. Thanks, I'll think about that. And waited three weeks or three months or three years. No, he said, hey, there's water right there. What's stopping me from being baptized? I have to share a story with you guys. And some of you have heard this before. So I apologize if this is repetitive for some of you. Back right before this whole pandemic thing happened, a gentleman had reached out to me wanting to know some more information about baptism and was interested in being baptized. And I did what I would normally do. And I said, hey, why don't you come up to the church? Let's sit down and talk about it. Let's, let's see, you know, what, what we can do to help you out here. And this is not something new for me. This this is something that's happened for years and years uh, of, you know, I have some people that they they approach me about baptism and and they want to ask some questions, but they haven't really done the research. And it's usually kind of a process. And we talk through it and we study together and things like that. This kid, his name is Michael Andino, and some of you know him because he was coming here before the pandemic happened. I've never met somebody more ready to be baptized than he was. He literally sat down, and the first thing he said to me was, you guys have a baptistry, right? Sound familiar? Isn't that exactly what the eunuch did? He said, there's water. What prevents me? This gentleman walked in my door and said, you got a baptistry. What's stopping me from getting baptized tonight? Now, we went on to talk a little bit more, and and he just blew me away because he sounds so much like this story in the fact that he had been studying And he had been reading, and he had been taking notes, and he had been watching videos, and he was thirsting and hungering for the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And just like the eunuch, he had come to that point where he was like, that's it, i got to be baptized, and i got to do it right now. And I love that story, and I'm so blessed to be a part of that story, and I'm going to share that story for as long as I live. But the urgency that he had, hey, you've got a baptistry, what's the holdup? Why can't I be baptized right now? Now, of course, there's a happy ending to that story. We baptized him that night, but it, it just reminded me of this story, and that's why I wanted to share that with you this morning, because just like the, the, the gentleman in the story, he had been studying, he had been worshiping, he had been learning, and the spirit had been moving within him to say, hey, you need to get baptized and do it now. We jump ahead to verse 39, where it says, They came up out of the water. The spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. I love that last section. And I don't know if Philip just, you know, as soon as the baptism was done, just off he went. I don't know how that went down. We don't know the time frames a lot of times in the Bible. But I love that last sentence. It says, but went on his way rejoicing. Do you remember that moment where you came up out of the water? Both here and when we lived in Phoenix, I, I was privileged to be a, a part of quite a few baptisms. And, and I just loved it when people would come up out of the water with their hands in the air and a smile on their face. For those of you who, who have been through our, our youth group program here at the church, um, you know, we go to teen camp every summer and inevitably you know, people get baptized at teen camp and they have kind of a tradition. So it's a little bit different than here, of course. We do it in a swimming pool, and they have kind of a tradition, but I think it's it's really cool. When somebody gets baptized after we take their confession and we're preparing to dunk them in the water, the whole crowd of kids yells, see ya, because they're saying goodbye to that old person that they were before. And when they bring them up out of the water, everybody jumps in the pool and it's yelling and screaming and splashing and it's chaos. But my point is, are we celebrating our baptism? Are we celebrating the fact that we've been given another shot? Are we celebrating the fact that Jesus loved us enough to die for our sins? And that through baptism, we have the opportunity to not have those sins held against us any more. Do you remember that day when you were baptized? Do you remember that feeling that you had of having your sins washed away? See, sometimes I think we forget about that because for some of us, it was a long time ago. And we tend to forget how we felt that day, how convicted we were that day to give our lives to Christ. But I want to encourage you to think about that day. I want you to think about that conviction that you had that you just couldn't stand the thought of anything but giving your life to Jesus. Do we still have that every single day of our lives? Or is that just kind of a one-time thing? Yeah, I got baptized and it was cool and I fell on fire for the Lord, but that was a long time ago. I want to encourage you, find that feeling again. Find that feeling of when you first came out of that water, cleansed. When you first came out of that water with a perfect relationship with Jesus, we can find that again, but we have to look for it. So let's talk just briefly through the steps of salvation. And for those of you who are old-time Church of Christ people, I know you already have this memorized, but let's just review it one more time because I think it's important to think back about these steps that we go through. And that's step one is to hear. we got to hear the word of God. Now, I look at this two different ways. I look at this as if you're someone who's in that path, who's going down that road to say, maybe I'm ready to be baptized. Of course, you've got to hear it. But brothers and sisters, I also look at it this way. They need to hear it. So who's telling it to them? Who's telling it to them? Are you talking to people? Are you talking to your friends and family that aren't Christians? Are you saying, hey, let me tell you this good news. They got to hear it. You can't just wait for them to walk through the doors of the church. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes it does. Most of the time it doesn't. Most of the time it takes somebody to get in their ear and say, hey, let me tell you what Jesus Christ has done in my life, and this is what he can do for you. We've got to believe, right? We've got to believe with all of our hearts, our minds, and our souls that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, and that he truly did come down to walk this earth. And he didn't call down 10,000 angels to save him from that cross. He could have. He didn't. He went to the cross out of his love for you. And we've got to believe that. And that's why when you get baptized, they ask, Do you believe? Because if you do, then you're ready. (coughs) We're going to confess our sins. We're all sinners. We're all sinners after we're baptized. Just a newsflash for some of you that may not know. It doesn't just go away. We don't become perfect people, right? But we're confessing our sins. We're confessing that we're a sinner. And no, we're not getting, I'm giving a laundry list of the mistakes that we've made, but we're confessing our sins and we're confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We have to truly be repentant In our hearts. Because, see, it's easy to say, Father, forgive me for XYZ and go out and do it again. And then we pray again, I messed up again, God. Please, please forgive me of that. And we go out and we do it again. That's not what repentance is all about. Repentance is, yes, God, I screwed up. Please give me the strength to not do that again. And I'm doing everything that I can to not make those same mistakes again. Now, does that mean that we won't make mistakes again? Of course not. But what it does mean is that we're trying, and that's what repentance is all about. It's not about being perfect. See, we don't have to be perfect to be baptized. It's not about being perfect. It's about trying every day to walk closer to Jesus Christ than we did yesterday. It's about trying not to make those same mistakes over and over again. And then we're baptized. We're baptized for the remission of our sins. All of those mistakes that we've made, that old person that we used to be gets washed away. And we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That amazing gift that Jesus left us when he, when he ascended to the Father. Because he knew we were going to need help, and he knew we were going to need guidance. And as we go through our walk as Christians, we learn to tune into that spirit, and it's an amazing thing. Again, we see throughout this story that we just walked through this morning, we see that Philip was in tune with the spirit, and he listened to the spirit. And I love that when the spirit told him to go to the chariot, he didn't just walk, he ran. He ran to the chariot. And of course, last but not least, we've got to live Faithfully, and do the very best that we can to be pleasing to God. And that's such a key step. See, it's not just a prayer that we give, it's not just a one time act that takes place and then we're done. You can look at baptism as a starting point. That's when you start your new life in Christ. So you've got to do everything that you can to be pleasing to Him and to follow Him and to do what He says, like any other relationship. It's not a one time thing. You don't get married and say, I do, and then just say, you know what? It's all over with now. I can just do whatever I want. No. Every day you live to make that person happy and to be pleasing to that person. And it's the same thing when we're baptized and we gain this amazing family of believers, not just here in Mission Viejo, but throughout the world. So I want to ask you this. If you haven't been baptized or if you're someone who's thinking about getting baptized, what's stopping you from doing that? And getting in that right relationship with Jesus. And these are just some of the things that I've heard throughout my years of ministry. People say, well, I'm not ready. What does that even mean? Because if you're trying to learn and you want to follow Jesus, and you believe that he is who he says he is, then you're ready. You don't have to know it all. Some people say, you know what, I just don't have my life together yet. Well, guess what? Neither do I. (laughs) Neither do Neither do most people. We still got things to learn, and we still got things we can do better at. You don't have to have the perfect life or be the perfect Christian to be baptized. I don't know enough, and we just kind of touched on this one. People say, well, I don't know enough scripture to be baptized. I don't know enough Bible studies to be baptized. I can't quote the New Testament off the top of my head. I can't be baptized. All those things are good and great, but they don't prevent you from committing your life to Jesus Christ. I haven't been attending church long enough. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you know enough to be baptized and you truly in your heart want to commit your life to Christ, that's enough. And this is the one that kills me. This is the one that just breaks my heart is when people say I'm not worthy. They say I'm not worthy to be baptized because of the life I've led. I'm not worthy to be baptized because of the mistakes that I've made. That's not what Jesus says. See, Jesus died for you and for me and for everyone because he wants everyone to see the kingdom of heaven. Now, granted, we have free will, so that doesn't always take place. But if I don't convince you of anything else, you're worthy. You're absolutely 1,000% worthy. And when you put on Christ in baptism, you get a whole new life, And all of those things that make you unworthy go away. And you start going from there. Baptism is such an amazing part of our lives as Christians. It's a turning point in our lives. And maybe you've been baptized a long time ago, and you're saying, this is all old news to me. I already knew all of this. Well, I hope that it serves as a reminder for you. I hope it serves as a reminder of the importance of baptism, that it wasn't just an act. It wasn't just a physical thing. It was a spiritual thing, and it's something that you should be carrying with you today. And again, if you haven't thought about it in a long time, remember how you felt the day you were baptized? Remember that amazing feeling where you were ready to just take on the world for Jesus Christ? And try and find that again. Try to harness that feeling that you had on that day that you were baptized. And go out and tell people about Jesus. So in just a moment, we are going to have a song for you and just to give you an opportunity to think about and to meditate on these things. And whether you're here in person or whether you're online, if you need to be baptized, there is nothing stopping you from doing that. We can do that today. If you're on our online audience, you can reach out. We'll wait for you to come up to the building, whatever the case may be, and we'll baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of your sins. Or maybe you're a Christian and you've fallen away and you've forgotten the importance of that commitment that you made to Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us to confess our sins before men. You're welcome to come up. We will pray with you. We will love on you, and we will help you get back to that right relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you would, would you stand together as we sing? You're the defender of the weak. You comfort those in need. You lift us up on. Rises, we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. In person with us, or if you're in our live stream audience, we are so thankful that you spent your Sunday morning here with us. I want to remind you that we do have our Sunday night devotional tonight at six o'clock in the parking lot. We will not have one the following week, and then we will start again in October. So we hope that you'll join us there. Otherwise, we'll be back here next Sunday morning, 10.15 for our children's worship, 10.30 for our live services. And again, we're going to start a brand new series on a study of Philippians. So I hope that you'll be able to join us. Would you please join me in a word of closing prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us and this opportunity that we've had to come together and just to spend some time in worship to you. Heavenly Father, we ask that if there are those who are contemplating being baptized, that you will... Have the words to say to them, and that you will move them with the Spirit and help them to take that next step in their faith. And Heavenly Father, for those of us who have been baptized, we ask you to help us to remember that commitment that we made and that excitement that we had, and help us to carry that forward. Heavenly Father, as we get ready to leave this place, we ask that you just be with all of the families represented here and online, help to keep them safe, and help to bring them back at the next appointed hour. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for all you do for us. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, thank you again for joining us. Have a great day. I take him at his word and deed. I take him at his word and deed. Christ died to save me, this I read. Christ died to save me, this I read. And in my heart I find a need. And in my heart I find a need. Of him to be my Savior.